Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to another Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. Woohoo! It's only been a year or about nine months since we last got together. And I tell you what, there was a part of me over the offseason, Brian, that thought maybe there was a chance that this would never happen. But then I got together with some other pals and said, nah, you guys were to just talk Seahawk football, even if there were no games to talk about to begin with, because we love doing this. We love talking to each other and doing uh, doing Seahawk yakking. So welcome back to the podcast, man. You look good. How are you, pal? What's going on? Um, you know, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm uh, seeing a game of, of NFL football already this yep. year and ready to see ready to see the Seahawks, man. It's like it's like Hanukkah Eve for, for folks <laughs> like you and I. Like we don't know what we're unwrapping on Sunday, do we? We have no idea, no idea at all. And before we talk about what we're going to see on Sunday and the changes over the offseason, man, uh, how about we go back to last night and talk about kind of what we thought about a game that had a real preseason type crowd to it with all the empty seats. Uh, places like Kansas City, obviously, in normal times would sell every preseason ticket they've got. But we're used to seeing some crowds like that in the preseason, but not during an opener like we saw last night. And I'm with you, man. It was just damn good to see NFL football again. But a lot of people have a lot of different takes on, on what we saw last night. huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll steer clear of the, the stuff prior to the game because I think there's plenty <laughs> of people talking about that. Um, I, I think uh, during the game, I thought it looked like a typical week one game for the most part. Yep. You know, like there wasn't a lot that stood out to me. You know, I, I gripe a little bit about the fact that that they have 17,000 fans and we're going to have none in, yeah. you know, in our home games for a while, maybe the whole season. But, you know, for the most part, it looked like a good football game. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I'm with you on the fans thing, by the way. I, I, I just don't get that. But I'm not in charge. I should be, but I'm not in charge. And if I were in charge, there'd be fans at every game. But I thought it was a lot cleaner than I, I had envisioned, you know, talking to Mike Holmgren yesterday on the air about all this. And he mentioned he was concerned about a lot of injuries. And I saw where a lot of guys were getting some soft tissue problems uh, in the last week of training camp, you know, going to practice last week. And I was pleasantly surprised that we didn't see as many injuries as I thought we'd see and surprised that we didn't see as much sloppy football as I thought we'd see. And I, I, I guess I just hope, Ryan, that that kind of bodes well for the Hawks on Sunday, because one of the concerns I've got about not having preseason football, you got a football team that has lost 60% of their starters from the offensive line from a year ago. Not that those guys were all great. I have no problem making changes to the offensive line, but if there's one area on the football team that needs to have some continuity, it's those guys up front and they're going to go out there and play their first game together on Sunday. I know. I know. You know, one of the things that, it, it, interesting about that, like easy to get easy, to both get excited about the changes to the offensive line and get stressed about it. Right. For the reasons yes. you're saying, like they haven't played together, yep. but it's also maybe I'm, I'm totally over rotating because I got no other places to spend my time other than like <laughs> focusing on every single word that the guys are yeah. saying, but, but Russell Wilson, like he said a day or so ago, like one of the things that he thinks is going to let them be a much better offense this year is the, is the improvement on the offensive line. He said those words and that's a big deal because I think you and I both know as much as he's put up with, the offensive lines that he's had over the years. I don't think he's been thrilled 
with yeah. the pass protection he's had. So if he's feeling more confident about that, yeah, I'm feeling more confident about that. Well, you know, and is that just Russell being Russell? Uh, you know, always the complimentary guy and never says a bad word about anybody and wants to pump everybody up and make him feel good? Or is there really something there that leads him to believe that this offensive line is going to be better? And look, I'm totally with you. I, I have no problem replacing Jermaine Fetty. I have no problem replacing DJ Fluker. Uh, I just wonder what they'll look like in the opener against Atlanta. And by the way, if there is a game and a defensive front that I'd like to go up against in the opener, I'd much rather go up against the Falcons than have San Francisco's defensive line on 100%. Sunday, right? Can you imagine if they were playing a divisional game against the Niners on Sunday instead of playing a team like Atlanta? No, it's true. It's true. I mean, the the Falcons really did struggle with the pass rush last year, and they, they added Dante Fowler, who's – I mean, he's a solid pass rusher, but the Seahawks have played him for years with, with uh, you know, the Rams recently, and, and I think it was the Jags before that. Um, I don't think he's a game changer. I think he's, a, he's, a, you know, helped. And then Marlon Davidson, the, the guy they drafted a defensive tackle in the second round this year, he's showed up on the injury report this week. Uh, yeah. I don't know what their latest is on that, but you know, they got Grady Jarrett in the middle. That guy's really good. He's legitimately good. And then they've got Tack McKinley who he's been up and down. He's not, again, he's not a game changer. So like these are guys, I, I think we hopefully are going to get a healthy, a healthy as he's going to get Dwayne Brown. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I have real low expectations for Brandon Shell. I hope he, I hope he's like, <laughs> I hope he's not worse than Jermaine Effetti. That's, that's really what I'm yep. hoping for. Well, I think we found out what the league thinks about Jermaine Effetti over the offseason with that contract he got from Chicago. So again, you know, I have no problem with the Hawks moving on, although I would love to, as I know you would as well, Draft an offensive lineman and actually re-sign the guy. Uh, that'd be nice, right? You know, to get a guy and uh, have him stick around for a second contract would be great. So I, I, I guess for me, I'm just, I, I'm really tired of bitching about the offensive line oh, because yeah. it's an annual deal, but you can't stop bitching about it until they show you that you should not bitch about it. And so far, you know, look, we haven't seen preseason. We have no idea what this group is going to look like. Um, I'm willing to give it some time, but I think that's my biggest concern overall, Brian, is that I love this back seven on defense. I love the skill players. I love the quarterback. Obviously I'm just really concerned about what's happening along the line of scrimmage. And if there's one area on the football team where you don't want to be weak, it's right there. How about you? Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. And, you know, as you're talking about the offensive line, the other thing that always, always peaks for me there is. We get so focused on the offensive line being the path protection issue. Yeah. Uh, they had Jacob Hollister blocking last year at tight end. Like the guy weighs, <laughs> the guy weighs about what I weigh. I mean, he's, he is, he is not a big dude. And, yeah. and now you got Greg Olson and Will Disley back, you know, knock on wood that they stay healthy and available, but those guys are much more capable blockers um, yep. in, in pass protection or in run blocking. And then you got, you know, other guys, uh, even DJ Dallas as a third down back where it is, the guys, the guys playing well and, and is doing great in pass protection. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys there. I think there, I want to say there was 30 to 40% of the sacks last year. If I looked at it from pro, pro football focus uh, were attributed not to the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think people forget about that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I think that, again, as long as, uh, as as Russell Wilson gets older, obviously the legs are going to go. He's going to need more help from his backs and fullbacks. I'm glad to see that Nick Ballore was kept on the football team because there's a role for that guy, I think, down the road with this group. But you mentioned the sacks. And, man, the other big conversation that everybody keeps bringing up is just the pass rush. And 
you know, I'm curious to get your take on that. You know, we, we just spent the entire offseason talking about how important it was to add another piece to that defensive line, especially from the edge. And they really didn't go out and do that, uh, at least not yet over the offseason. So uh, this was one of the worst pass rushing units in the NFL, second to worst behind Miami. How much better do we really think they're going to be in 2020? Well, uh, Bruce Irvin certainly thinks they're going to be better. You know, he was he was out talking about it yesterday and he was he specifically oh, yeah. called out Seahawks Twitter, uh, of which I am a member and, and, and you are a member as well, though a little bit uh, you're a little bit above us. Uh, that's not true at all. That's I don't true. want that. Don't don't put that kind of pressure on me. <laughs> no, 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 but, no. But you know, they're hearing it. They're definitely hearing it that 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 people don't believe in that defensive line. That they don't have the big name. You know, yep. he mentioned that as well. And here's where I am, Dave. Two things can be true, and they might see an, seem in opposition, but they're they're not. Mm-hmm. One, I think the pass rush is better than it was last year. I think they improved the pass rush, especially on the edge. I think Benson Mayoa, Bruce Irvin are better combined than Ziggy Ansah and Jadavian Clowney were last year. I do believe that to be true. I also think Alton Robinson is going to be interesting. Uh, I think Rasheem Green can take another step forward. We don't know about LJ Collier. I'm not expecting anything, but maybe there's something. So there's, yep. there's options on the edge. That's not even their, their, their high pick and Daryl Taylor. Interior, I'm pretty concerned about. Um, you know what they're going to do there. So I I think that the, so the the one thing is, I think it's better. The other thing that's true is I don't think it's good. Yeah. Right. They were bad last year. I think they're better. I don't think they're good. Well, I, uh, I would just say this, that there's like three or four different little conversations there. We can, we can spin off on uh, because the run defense is also a concern for me (laughs) on that defensive line. But your, your, your point about how, okay, they've improved. Right. Well, when you're second to worst in the NFL, you better damn well improve. Uh, if you don't improve in that category from being second to worst in the NFL and only the Dolphins had a worse pass rush than the Seahawks did a year ago, then, I mean, you're just not paying attention if you're John Schneider and Pete Carroll and that group doesn't improve. So I'm with you. Uh, you know, what, 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 what you're saying is improving isn't enough when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, when you have Russell Wilson. When you have an incredible linebacker core, when you have an emerging wide receiver star in DK Metcalf, and you got to get time for that guy to get open downfield, um, you can't just be okay on the line of scrimmage. This is not the Mariners back in the 2000s when the pitching staff was awesome and all the offense had to do was just not suck. That's not what you have here. You have a championship caliber window. So that's my point exactly, man, that I think they've got a Super Bowl caliber team in a lot of areas around them. I just worry that they have an eight and eight at best situation on the offensive and defensive line. And look, I mean, obviously uh, Bruce Irvin, Benson Mayo are fine. We know this pass rush will be better because Jamal Adams will bring pressure from the secondary that they did not have a year ago. I like Jordan Brooks. I think Jordan Brooks in the end plays a bigger role in this football team than people think, but I'm with you, man. And I wonder if they'll actually go out and add somebody else between now and the, uh, and the trade deadline, because I, in my opinion, they kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I hear you. I, I'm a little bit more bullish on the offensive line than it sounds like maybe you are, but, but uh, I'm also, I've been burned so many times. I, I should be less bullish. Uh, you know, Bowie and Bailey, remember Bowie and Bailey? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, 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 here's what I'd say, Dave, like I've been, I'm in mainly in the same headspace you are. Yeah. But I look at it and I say, could they be taking the Patriots route? 
could they be taking the Patriots route to building a team that's good enough to win the Super Bowl? And what by that I mean, Patriots have been a pretty poor pass rush team. Even two years ago, they were second to last in the NFL. And that's when they won the Super Bowl. But how'd they do yeah. it? They had a shutdown secondary. Great safeties, great yeah. corners. And when it came time, they were able to create some pressure and scheme some right. pressure. Is that completely out of the, the realm of possibility for this team? No. No, I think it can. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's funny about that? Um, what you're talking about is coaching. What, you, what you're talking about is a scheme. And I look at last night, for example, Steve Spagnola uh, of the Chiefs absolutely totally shut down Deshaun Watson in that offense. Now, some of that may have been Bill O'Brien's idiocy as the play caller for the Texans, by the way. But I think when you can make something out of nothing, when you can really – take B level players and turn them into players that give you a minus performances. That's where coaching plays a role. And frankly, I was a little bit disappointed in the coaching last year on this defense. I, I thought they should have gotten more uh, from that group to be as poor as they were getting after the passer a year ago. Uh, I didn't think that the personnel said that they were the worst pass rushing team or the second worst pass rushing team in the NFL. So I've got some concerns about Ken Norton. You know, look, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a fantastic individual. I think he's a great guy. But has Ken Norton really proven anywhere with anybody that he is a elite level play caller on defense? He hasn't done that yet. So I go back to last year when they got the, that big third down, Brian, against Green Bay. And they're dropping Jadeveon Clowney back into pass coverage. What are you doing? This is exactly the moment you you. This is why you traded for this guy for yeah. this exact moment yeah. to go after a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and you're dropping your best pass rusher back into back into coverage. So it's that like kind of stuff. They, it's, it's those kind of decisions that got him going elsewhere too. Like yeah. he doesn't feel like he didn't feel like he was going to be utilized the best way. But I'm with you on Ken Norton. But I got to ask. I mean. <laughs> Who do you think that, like, if they had the best coaching job ever, who yeah. on that team do you think would have been a better pass rusher other than Clowney? Let's say he he could yeah. have been definitely more than the, the than he was. Who else do you feel right. like was under underperformed? Yeah, I just think coaching guys up, you know, young guys, right? The rookies. Uh, what I mean, what 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 happened to L.J. Collier a year ago? You know, yeah. you know, I I look at L.J. Collier and I see a run stuffing defensive end, but I guarantee you this: the Seahawks did not think of him like that on draft day. Because right. if they did, there's no way they would have taken the guy in the first round. Nobody yeah. takes a run-stuffing defensive end, Brian, in the first round. You know that. So I thought he was a disappointment. He was getting scratched. He was a healthy scratch numerous times a year yep. ago. So coaching guys up, and I would just kind of flip it back to you. How many defensive linemen, edge rushers, defensive linemen, outside linebackers, whatever, has this team drafted in the last four or five years that have turned into, outside of Frank Clark, I guess, really elite level pass rushers. How many guys do you well, look at? You can go through the whole Seahawks franchise history. There's yeah. not a lot. Bruce Irvin right. yeah. is one of the best drafted pass rushers by the Seahawks in franchise history. And I'm not making that up. If you look at yeah. sacks uh, over career, like Seahawks have historically not drafted a lot of great pass rushers. You know, you had the Michael Sinclair and back in the day and, sure. and obviously Cortez and stuff like that and Jacob Green, but there weren't a ton that they drafted. And, and so, I mean, Jacob Martin, he got his first last night, you know, and, yeah. and he's playing for another team now. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, I got a lot of flack when I, the day of the trade that the clowny deal was announced, I was like, oh, that hurts. That they included Martin. And people were like, what are you talking about? Jacob Martin, who cares? And I'm like, I was one of them. 
And I'm yeah, yeah, you were, you were <laughs> young pass rushers. That guy would be $400,000 on our cap right now. We'd have him for another year at club control yeah, yeah. and he'd probably be our second best pass rusher. So, well, so look, like, yeah, it, it's hard when you trade those guys away. I think, I think both of us want the same thing. We both want this team to be back playing for a championship and we know to do that, they have to have better production from the defensive line. What I do like about this team is they seem to have a little more depth than last year's team did. There's more bodies on this football team, they've spent more equity in the draft, I think, yep. you know, capital uh, on the defensive line. So between Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, Jordan Brooks, Benson Mayoa, Bruce Irvin, LJ Collier, a healthy Jaron Reed, who's playing for 16 games and not 10, that should matter. Jordan Brooks, obviously from the secondary. So I think that they've addressed it. They've addressed the defense. We'll see if they've made the right moves. All right. Last thing I want to ask you before we, we yeah. wrap here is, we aren't really getting to see the team prior to the game, right? We don't really get to see them. You might have gotten to see a little bit more than, than the rest of us, but I saw two practices. Assume that take take Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Jamal, DK Metcalf and Jamal Adams off the list. Yep. Yep. We're all looking forward to seeing them. Right. Who are you kind of like just dying to see how this guy's gonna look come Sunday? Chris Carson. Guy's a free yeah. agent. I think he's pissed off. I think he knows that there's probably a chance that he'll be playing somewhere else next year. I think he sees all these big money contracts getting doled out around the NFL. I think he wants his, and I don't blame the guy for wanting his bag. But I also think that the way things are going in Seattle and for how much the Hawks are paying guys like Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and are about to pay DK Metcalf, I think, in a couple of years from now, uh, the idea of spending seven, eight million bucks on a running back just seems foolish to me. Uh, from a Seahawk perspective. So I think Chris Carson, every day he goes out there, is putting film out there for every other team around the NFL. So I'm hoping the Seahawks can take advantage of that, right? The guy in his final year of his contract. And look, Shaq Griffin, same thing at corner. Last yep. year, they're absolutely both playing for deals and both have to step up and get the job done this year. So I love that fire. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Softy. All, always awesome doing this. We're going to, we're going to do this every week. That's the plan, right? Every week. Yes, sir. Uh, every week, every Friday, we're going to try to do this at one o'clock. Go ahead. As long as I got enough money to pay you, you're, 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 you're welcome every week. I got you. <laughs> and uh, for those of you uh, listening online on YouTube, please uh, go ahead and click subscribe, click the little uh, bell icon to get notified. Uh, if you're listening, uh, you know, on Spotify, iTunes, Google play, uh, Great to have you join up at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. It's five bucks. Uh, get added to our Slack channel. We got a lot of great conversations in there about the Seahawks. It's a nice friendly community. Um, yep. And we donate, you know, a, a bunch to charity. So uh, happy to have more people around and uh, we're not gonna be able to do it in person. It seems like for a while. So we might as well do it uh, online. Awesome. So, uh, thanks again, softy. I love and, it. Uh, go Hawks, man. We'll see you next week.